Welcome to the Innovation Drivers Podcast, where Canada's top technology leaders discuss ideas, successes, and challenges that are creating a better future. Brought to you by the CIO Association of Canada, in partnership with the Business Leadership Podcast Series. Hey, how are you doing? Thank you for taking the time to join us on the Innovation Drivers Podcast. I am Edwin Frondozo. And I'm Hamza. We're so happy. We're so happy that you could join us today. Hamza, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. How about you? I'm doing good. I'm doing very well. I'm really excited to share the conversation that we had with Paul Lewis, the global CTO at Hitachi Ventara. Yeah, we're, we're lucky to hear from Paul. Uh, Paul talked a little bit about the difference between invention and innovation and how to create something from nothing which is uh, fascinating to hear Paul's insight on that, along with how to take business goals and link them up with technology goals and make everything go faster. Yeah, and I, I, was, really, I was really fascinated when he started talking about the different areas or silos when it comes to like, you know, businesses and what they're going through, specifically through COVID-19, whether they're thrivers, challengers like movie theaters or even agents of change like like uh, CPG uh, businesses. He just came from Hamza and I'm sure you took this away as well. He just had a lot of insight. Being a Canadian, a tech Canadian leader within a global organization. Um, but yeah, with that Hamza, you know, let's get to the conversation. Let's go. Paul, welcome to the Innovation Drivers Podcast. Hello, how is everyone? Great. I'm, I'm doing well. I'm doing fantastic. Yeah. Um, just coming off a long weekend here in, um, in Canada. Yeah, it may not be when this airs, but feeling fresh. How are you, do- how are you, how are you guys doing today? It's always good to have a Canadian content. I'm usually the sole Canadian in somewhere, somewhere else in the world. So I always start by saying I'm sorry, just so that they, they level that, the culture of Canada. Oh, that's that's interesting, and I actually I want to dig deep in that uh, later on in the conversation because this was Hamza's and I's idea in the sense with this show to really come with the the technology leaders' view, specifically from a Canadian uh, perspective, and given your position and your global role, um, I love that you you said that uh, <laughs> how you start up how you start up your meetings uh, apologizing. <laughs> <laughs> well, they need to know what uh, the culture of Canada is like. They need to know that I'm uh, the Switzerland of the Western Hemisphere. It's very important. Hamza, do you find that in, in your day job whenever you're speaking with a lot of international folks now? I think we as Canadians are just nice. We're, we're nice people. <laughs> we're cordial. We, you know, we take time to listen to one another. It's what makes, uh, what makes, uh, makes Canada great. We're a polite yeah. bunch. We're a polite punch, but we get things done, right, guys? Right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. We have a happy balance. Exactly. I mean, with that and being tech leaders, um, I just want to start off the conversation, and I'll address this to you, um, Paul. Um, specifically, you know, what does innovation mean to you? And what's fascinating and in, in what's happening in my conversations is, you know, not only leading a global organization, a successful career, but with the recent global pandemic, like where was innovation in your mind and where is it going now? So I've had the privilege of uh, leading 
both engineering teams and operations teams, and even within Hitachi now, seeing really distinctive differences between invention and innovation. Like when you look at the the bigger Hitachi company, right, the hundred billion dollar company, you know, we're inventing from raw materials. We have four billion dollars that essentially is creating from nothing, right? Powering what we need to do to invent machines in the grand scheme of things. And then there's the, you know, the incremental innovation that you'd find in technology uh, operations teams, right? Getting a little bit more automated or adding a little bit more capability or creating a new skill set uh, for the purpose of, you know, creating IT better in many ways. So it's it's fun to have seen sort of the big spectrum of, of incremental versus radical innovation, you might call it. I mean, there was a lot of radical implementation over the last couple of weeks, if not months. Um, and I, I and it's, I mean, I can't even imagine within your organization, Paul, and even for Hamza in terms of the work that you're doing, like how fast things are are launching that maybe had like a two, three year uh, rollout. <laughs> That's actually a great comment. I, I had a recent conversation with a few CIOs uh, talking about IT agility. And we always joke, and I'm sure you guys have joked about it before, that an IT project was six months and a million dollars, right? That that was the base fee in order to get it in. But now you're seeing like full VDI implementations and full, you know, customer mobile experiences in three weeks. So so now we know it's possible, right? It's actually possible to turn down that risk, uh, risk requirement and have less meetings and have only a single... Uh, sponsor versus a committee, and you can actually get things done far faster, far easier uh, versus how it has been in the past. And that, that's that's just been a dramatic change in IT in general. Hey, Paul, it's um, you know, it's it's interesting some of your thoughts as we speak to people across the country within the CIO Association of Canada. We have uh, over 420 members across the country, and talking to a lot of technology leaders about you know COVID and post COVID and just what. What the world looks like and the role of, of the CIO and the technology leader. Uh, there's just some really interesting interesting thoughts around you know what what's going to happen in the future and how those technology leaders can help their organizations adapt much more quickly um, when those things are tied into business goals. As you speak to so many uh, technology leaders uh, in in multiple countries, what are you hearing? What are some of the common trends and threads? And are you seeing risk taking? you know, go up and, and uh, the connectedness of, of those IT and technology goals more centered towards helping to drive business revenue and kind of protect companies in the current state and how they're going to do future uh, future business as well. What are you hearing? I still believe there's a, there's a distinct difference between business goals that IT would drive or just support, but let's say drive, and then IT-centric goals that they also need to deliver on. I, I do agree that certainly the COVID, the pandemic is this new sort of leading IT from a pandemic, which really just means how do I, how do I change the 60% of projects that I do that are more digital transformation based? Uh, and that kind of is in three categories, at least three business categories I see it. There's those uh, thrivers, right? They could be the snack companies who are up 25% or the Zooms or, you know, software uh, video that are you know thriving they're, they they need to worry about scale because they never had never needed this scale before there's those challengers 
uh, or the ones that are challenged, things like movie theaters and theme parks and stadiums, to which may never recover. Uh, and then there's those ones in the middle that, you know, the agents of changes where like CPG or financial services that were once worried about getting product to a distributor or to a store, now having to get product to a home as being a distinct difference. So now I think the set of DX projects have changed dramatically and therefore that's affected IT. But in IT, I think there's sort of four quadrants of problems that they've had to deal with in a real uh, in a real time sense. So the first one was, um, how do I worry about collaboration? More specifically, creativity within collaboration. It's easy to have a Zoom call, much more difficult to actually create from scratch, right? Second one being resiliency and capacity. How am I now worried less about the data center, more worried about the home's PC? Uh, thirdly, cybersecurity, things like social engineering. Um, who, are, who am I most likely to trust? Somebody, you know, a bad actor calling me at home or a bad actor calling me at the office? Um, and then finally, uh, you know, the actual DX projects. Uh, am I doing incremental growth or am I doing radical growth in my DX projects? Am I just adding a, an additional customer segment or just adjacency of an existing customer segment? So I, I still think it's those balance between the CIOs with business goals and the CIO is still having to operate IT. Yeah, I mean it's 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 an interesting space, and what's really what's really fascinating as we navigate through this um, push or pandemic project pushes and what and it's coming back to that balance. And what comes to mind and what I'm thinking right now, Paul, is the fact that. We actually proved that things could be done in three weeks. It's almost like being in a startup or in a lean operations where things could actually get pushed out. And I'm wondering, as these conversations, as we roll out into the future, how do we manage um, stakeholders who now know <laughs> it doesn't take six months and a million dollars? Like, like, how is that thought process going to go when you're in those meetings and with different divisions and organizations and stakeholders, right? Where they're like, hey, man, you guys you guys delivered in three weeks. <laughs> so it's going to be interesting conversation. And I'm just, I don't know if there's an answer to it. It's just something that came to mind as you said that. Yeah, I think we've really reset that expectation. And in fairness, there has been IT roadblocks, like some of that might be project management or governance roadblocks. Uh, but some of that's business roadblocks too, like, procurement process. I need to do an RFQ and an RFI and an RFP. And now, you know, the business, whether that be the executives or, you know, the operations team are saying, maybe I didn't need all that governance. Maybe 30 people didn't make, need to make that decision. Right. So now, you know, you're getting uh, a reduction of risk tolerance on both sides, which I think overwhelmingly will be great. However, you know, the risks of ill-performing systems, what well, might exist, the risk of, of of less than six nines in my uptime might exist, but we might be okay with that. But maybe that's fine. Yeah, and it's, set, it's setting expectations now moving forward, right? And, and I think that's where the conversations are going to be going as well, right? And where these challengers or these specific verticals are thinking about what they need to do 
right? And, and, and this almost brings it back to the core of this conversation when we think about Canadian organizations or Canadian tech leaders, like knowing what we know now, like what do you see? And that also for Hamza, like what are you seeing that might be opportunities for Canadian leaders, Canadian organizations, understanding how fast we're able to deliver? I think I think microtransactions become incredibly relevant, especially in Canada, right? We, like as compared to the US as an example, we are not underbanked comparatively. Like there's a significant portion of the US that either doesn't have a bank account or choose just to use cash, right? We, we don't fall in that category because we have awesome implementations like Interact. Right? We have far fewer banks, as an example, and therefore we have the ability to create innovation for a variety of customer segments and microtransactions are it. Right? Millennials don't want a 30-year relationship with a bank. They want individual products from individual banks, and if they don't like that app, they'll delete the app. Right? So now is our time to say, let's make some shorter-term uh, relationships with customers and start you know, refreshing the kind of products and services we do every six months instead of every five years. Um, and that allows us to do adjacencies. Uh, like I'll stick with banking for, for an example. Instead of branches being a financial transaction, branches could be the community hub, right? Why can't, why can't their extra space be for property management or to be the, the tech hub? Maybe it could be a startup space. Like there's lots of, 80% of a branch is empty. Right. You know, let's let's use that to be the the community center since they exist everywhere in Canada. Yeah, you could almost turn them into the library system as well. Right. Which is a community center of education or knowledge and really utilizing, leveraging the space you have. I was what was coming to mind. I live I live downtown Toronto by Chinatown and I'm just thinking about all the banks that are there and there's a coffee machine and people just go in for the water in the coffee machine, <laughs> which, which, which could definitely bring people in. Right. If, if you do make it a hub for community, um, that, that's amazing thought and something. And, and I'm the opposite of you. I live rurally. Like my closest Starbucks, as an example, is an hour turnaround time. Mm. <laughs> so going to my bank branch for, you know, a decent cappuccino, that's i love it i love how we're getting both ends of the of canada on this episode for sure um what um i mean you may you may or may not have a a thought on this paul but what have you seen over the last two months three months when it came to innovation or quick projects that came to market that really impressed you, and it could be internally within your organization, or even some peers or business partners that you work with, because some people really did some amazing things um, over the last couple of, over the short period. So here, here's the two things that I think has been the most amazing for the consumer experience. Uh, so one is is an organization like Best Buy, right? Best Buy Canada, especially because I think they've perfected it as compared to others. Um, they've mastered the ability to shop and earn the same kind of revenue online, reserve, and pick up, right? I can easily shop online, pick the product. Within 15 minutes, it's ready to be picked up, which is probably how long it takes me to get to Best Buy anyway. I go to Best Buy, tell them my name, products in my hand, I walk out. It's actually a faster experience than it ever has been before. 
And, and Best Buy knows that while, yes, you might go in and pick up a second product once you're in there, but it's not like grocery shopping where you're doubling your cart, right? It's You're much more likely to leave with the thing you wanted to get. And that concept has expanded to Main Street. Main Street, I think, is the overwhelming majority of innovations, especially technology. These are mom and pop pizza stores who had exactly zero technology, probably didn't even have a website, and now have a mobile ordering capability because they've signed up with the technology that allows them to do that, um, getting the exact same, if not more, um, revenue than they have before. And all they had to do was sign up and open up a window. Like that is that is innovation, unparalleled innovation in weeks time. It's It's been amazing. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually familiar with the, uh, the Best Buy pickup. And believe it or not, I think the COVID-19 really highlighted what they did because I was in Ottawa before COVID-19 happened and I did a pickup. Um, I did an order online, I think from my mobile phone. I was at a Starbucks and literally just drove around the corner to to Best Buy. And that was my first experience. I was like, oh, this is great. And then I think I bought something else while I was in there. Um, so it was, it was a good example uh, of doing that. Hamza, Hamza, what did you see over the last couple, couple of weeks that really impressed upon you in terms of innovation? Yeah, I've just seen a lot of, um, companies and and organizations just embrace, um, the new world of digital. And for those that didn't, didn't have those digital capabilities, you know, you've seen lots of organizations, um, give it their best try, uh, partner with different, different service providers, but also I think the, the organizations that are, that are continuing to win. And it's not just all the, all the big, uh, big companies. It's, it's medium sized businesses that are, that are trying to figure out the process and get the process right. Because as, you know, as we know, as important as technology is, um, it's almost the easy part. It's the, you know, stick with the curbside pickup example for a minute. It's not only about the technology as to how you make the order. What happens when you actually get there? Who do you call? Mm-hmm. How do you coordinate with that pickup? Who brings it out to you? How do they check your ID? Um, and I've had, you know, I've, I, I, along with everybody else in the world, have tried a bunch of different services. And, um, you know, there's some really good ones. And then there's some ones that have slapped a piece of technology on the front and uh, actually leads to negative customer segment uh, sentiment because you get there and, you know, there's nobody to, to check your order or you don't know where to go or, you know, you, you kind of feel unsafe in the environment given what's going on. And then, you know, you're, you're waiting. So I, I think it's, it's those come and there's been some surprises in terms of, you know, certain, certain brands that I bought from uh, that I haven't really bought from before that have actually done a fantastic job. And as a result, I'm probably going to go buy more from them um, in the future. But mm-hmm. I think it's those companies that are figuring out not only the technology, but, but the process and the human elements of this, um, you know, COVID especially has been such an impact on the, on the world that I think uh, making sure people feel safe around commerce and buying things and whatever experiences people are going to have in the future, I think is so important. Um, you know, an important thing to, to, to just pay attention to, I think, for, for companies and small businesses, entrepreneurs, startups, and the big companies as well. No, oh, that's amazing. I, I got a question that uh, I've been thinking about a lot. And I really want to get insights from both of you. Being tech leaders, executives with uh, with large organizations, and as you know, your team members are all really getting used to working from home. How do you foresee that changing as we come back to work? Um, do you expect people still going to want to stay home 
and work or is it going to be really like a hybrid now? What, uh, what I think will happen is working at home, work from home will be the default, not the exception. Uh, especially um, in Canada, where the geography is so diverse anyway, it was reasonably difficult to fulfill on your your talent quadrant um, in just in the city to which you live or work or operate. Um, and now we don't have that concern. I now can look for somebody in Vancouver and Calgary and Edmonton and Halifax in Toronto for any job in any office because the default will be that they're working from home anyway. So their physical physical location effectively is meaningless. And that new savings I'm going to get, let's say there's billions of dollars of office cost, that now savings I'll get, in fairness, I won't get that till 2022 probably for leases yeah. and things like that. But at some point I'm going to achieve a savings. That savings can go into empowering the endpoint. I'll get a much better laptop. They'll all get second and third screens. I'll pay for their internet access. I will give them um, three thousand dollar chairs. Right, the, the home office will be the the office location. Whatever I spend there is what I'll spend in a sort of distributed federated world. And I'll have access to far more talent, um, and I'll be able to upskill and reskill my team um, to a much greater extent. Yeah, I mean, I, I I love that vision, and I love how we get to empower everyone working from home. But what will the office look like, I guess, if it's not the default anymore? I, I think it's teaming rooms. I, th I think it's, I think it's the inverse. Instead of a few meeting rooms and lots of cubicles and offices, it'll be all meeting rooms. I, I think it'll be the place to which you do creative, you know, cause you could do collaborative at home, which you'll do creative there. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. Um, I guess as 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 we end, I'd love to get any final thoughts from either of you in terms of you know observations, even call to actions for the technology leaders, the Canadian technology leaders who are listening today. Um, specifically, you know what what they should be thinking about doing, whether it's technology projects or empowering employees. Like, what comes to mind? I, I think it's people first, right? I think. I think what we haven't learned yet is the difference between flexibility and balance. Um, and I see it within my teams. I see it within customers and suppliers uh, where we're perfectly fine with the flexibility, right? Yes, you're all working at home. And therefore, if you have to take the dog for a walk or your kids come in or, you know, you've got to go make some lunch for the entire family or you just need a break, right? Gonna, I'm literally just going to leave for a couple hours and get, get a different mind space. And therefore, I'm going to make up that time wherever I need to make it up. What happens is you lose your balance at that point. All of a sudden, you're working 16 hours and sleeping eight. All of a sudden, you're uh, working seven days a week. All of a sudden, uh, holidays don't exist for you anymore, which means you lose entirely that distinction between work and life. And your drive home, your train home, was that distinction between the two. We as leaders, we, we almost need to enforce that, right? If we see people working 60 hours or even, you know, greater than 40, we've got to call them out to say, you are not spending enough time with your family, right? We have to ensure that 
that May 2 for Victoria Day is exclusively a non-working family holiday. Right? We, we need to do that. In fact, so much so, we almost have to put in a culture of this. Now that we're all in Zoom, um, the reality is you are inviting us into your home, and therefore it's your rules, right? If your rule is pajama pants and, um, and baseball caps, okay, that's fine. Like that's it's your home, it's your rules, and therefore we are we're all subscribing to that. I love that. I love that. Hamza, do you have any uh, last words? Uh, only to add, uh, Paul, great great thoughts. I think a lot of uh, a lot of the the insight you shared today are really helpful, and uh, just to understand what you know where you're at, what you're focused on, how you're thinking about the world, return to work scenarios, as well as uh, you know what you said there in your last answer, which is people first. And I think that is a really important part. You know, the technology gets easier and easier every day. The application of it uh, and the adoption of it, I think, especially through COVID, has just gone up a a zillion fold. Um, And now it's about harnessing, um, you know, the the power of our our collective new reality and what people can do. And and I do think, as you said, there's new realities that um, mental health of of your workforce and, and just taking care of your people full stop. I think is one of the most important things to uh, to add into the recipe. So I thank you for your uh, for your great insight today. Yeah, it's been it's been awesome. I'm I'm really super excited to share this conversation, Paul. But to close, can you let us know where we can find more information about you, your company, or anything else you'd want to share with us today? Sure, you can always get me at uh, at Paul Lewis CTO, whether that be Twitter or LinkedIn. Uh, but absolutely visit Itachi.com or ItachiVantara.com, which is the technology side, the agility and data side of Hitachi, the big entity. Um, and I just want to leave you with you thinking about powering good as being more important than powering IT. It's about making the world better and your contribution as a human into making other humans better. That's, that, that's why we're all here. I love that. Thank you for sharing that thoughts of wisdom. Paul, again, thank you for joining us on the Innovation Drivers Podcast. That's it, folks. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Innovation Drivers Podcast with our special guest, Paul Lewis. What a great conversation that was. Lots of uh, wonderful information to take away and figure out how to implement it into our own days and your own days and uh, help to make things go faster with some of those insights that Paul shared. Yeah, especially one thing that I took home, um, Hamza, and, and I know we talked about it quite a bit with with Paul was was the fact that projects that went from six months down to three weeks. So that's just something to think about, and you know, conversations that I'm having as well outside of work yeah. as well. But for more information about Paul Lewis, Hitachi, Ventara, please go to the show notes. And for more information on the CIO Association of Canada and become a member, please go to ciocan.ca. Yeah, so please subscribe, rate, and comment on your favorite podcast player, Hamza. Thank you again. As always, I'm always looking forward to another conversation with you. For those listening, thank you for joining us. And for everybody out there, go get your day.